0: Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. everybody to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. Good to hear from you today. We're going to uh, talk a few texts today. Think about preaching as we have arrived for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. We're counting them down. These are the texts for September the 10th, 2023. We're hitting that time of the year when uh, most of us feel like, okay, well, it, uh, summer uh, is over. It's the fall. Of course, it's still summer. And I don't know where everybody's listening from today, but in Florida, it's still hot. <laughs> but uh, we've made it through Labor Day. And sure enough, schedule begins to pick up. And uh, there's just always a little.
1: It is, it is hot. Yeah. I was looking at the. Uh... Weather Channel and talking about ninety eight in Raleigh, North Carolina in September. <laughs> are you yeah, it's hot in the south, but it starts cooling off, particularly in Yeah. The north the the upper south as we call it, which yeah. is North Carolina, Tennessee are but it's still hot, still humid. It's still hot. I mm-hmm. could tell yesterday I uh had, on Sunday I had a few health issues, nothing major, just, just you don't want to go to church with. Yeah. So I got on the internet and looked around and one funny thing was there are several people I like to hear that in the summertime they uh, they ditch the albs and stoles and hold mm-hmm. forth uh, in their clerical shirt that well, sort of thing.
0: As does yours truly. I uh, I put my robe back on for the first time. Well, that's yesterday. what
1: I was going to say. I, yep. I noticed the uh, robes. Popped out. It's post Labor Day. Doesn't matter what the weather is. It's after yeah. Labor Day. It's like Let's go. Uh, instead of yeah, don't wear white after Labor Day, most of them are white albs, so they're go. wearing white after Labor Day. They're back there in the,
0: they're
1: back in the saddle again. So. That's right. That's right. All right. Well,
0: we, well, we've got great texts today, and uh, of course, in Pentecost, we're still on the six, usually at least, uh, text, and that's what we have today. So run us through uh, Exodus and Ezekiel and their associated Psalms, finishing a little bit more in Romans, and then a relatively brief uh, section from the Gospel today. Tell us what you got on your mind. Well,
1: brother. one one thing, and uh, there's a fellow here at the Episcopal Church, a lay person that I know and see occasionally. He asked me one time after I'd preached because when I preach it in the bulletin it says homily and the real preacher here, the priest preaches, it says (laughs) sermon, and uh, he asked, what's the difference between a homily and a sermon? And I said, well, usually five or ten minutes, but I said, (laughs) ultimately, technically, a sermon is a talk on a religious theme, which may or may not take a text, and a homily is an exploration of text. So, I am going to give several possible sermonic themes
0: mm. based
1: on all the readings of the day, for which you might then preach a homily based on one or more of the text using the other. So thought I'd play with that. We, so
0: we are get we are getting right down to it here today. So folks. when, when yeah. I do
1: when I do the themes I'm thinking more in terms of things that subject matter that one could preach on based on the material in text rather than a direct homily of a so one of the themes that's in all four or five of the texts, all five of the texts, six actually, is
2: life together as a religious community in various ways. Uh, the uh, Exodus text,
1: the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, tell the whole congregation mm-hmm. and later assemble the whole congregation together. It's about life together. We're doing this en masse, moving together. Uh, verse 7, this is the word comes to Ezekiel to tell the whole house of Israel, to t- explore this with the whole house, the whole community. Uh, Romans, you know, verse 8, love one another. And it's exploring. How do we love each other when we sometimes don't even like each other? and Especially. One way to deal with people you don't like is to stay away from them. But if the Christian community says we are to called to love one another, then you got to be in connection with one another, and how do you do that?
3: Yeah.
1: And at, uh, more deeply with with Matthew, you have a particular recommendation of some ways to deal with this, and it brings up the word church. We'll explore that some more Matthew. Yeah. But it's to the church, life in community. This is Mm -hmm. not life in general. This is not life with the world. This is not life with the neighbors you sometimes see or don't. This is life with church as the Uh, people committed to Christ and to love. And sometimes it doesn't work out real well. How do you deal (laughs) with that?
0: Yeah. Jesus says, I'm going to be there among them. We'd say amongst them. Right, I'm. I, I'm gonna be there, right in the midst of you. This is. This is uh, in the family. This is in yeah. the church. There's some and things this is we need. This is not to think idealism.
1: About. This is pragmatism, right. particularly right. the two. God, the two Christian scriptures. Yep. And and Ezekiel, I think none of this is idealistic. This is real. Down on the. How do you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I were just going to go with some Hebrew scripture themes to play play with. Okay. Uh, both. Um. Exodus and Ezekiel have a pattern where the word comes to the proclaimer. And it goes through the proclaimer to the congregation. And it might, for those of us who preach, uh, first of all, an
2: exploration of what are we doing when we stand up? Mm. Is it a word from Delmer? or is it a word from the Lord? Uh, Phillips Brooks
1: defined in one of the very first you know Yale preaching lecture, you find preaching is truth communicated through personality. So you can never not be yourself. Right. But the question is, are you sure this is a word from the Lord, or is this your hobby horse? Both of these texts
2: are clear that Moses and Aaron, and then Ezekiel's job is to hear the word and tell the word.
1: When you preach it to a congregation, it may be saying we are together and we proclaim as a community to the world. We need to explore, are we promoting who we are? Are we promoting
2: a message about what we think the world ought to be like? Or are we proclaiming God hurting in the world?
1: What are we doing? And we'll
0: I love that uh, and thinking about that balance thinking about tension and I think it's yeah it's important I have always been a little uh hesitant to say I have come today to give you a word from the Lord as if <laughs> it was just sort of straight poured in through me and I'm about to it's going to come out and that's God speaking I know there are those who see things that way yeah. However I think it's important to be diligent is this the word for my congregation, my people, is this the word from the Lord? And how am I going to best express it using what God has given me? Because I don't need to try to be somebody else.
1: And in, 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 in proclaiming to the community, and how does this apply to them, it is more of a communal question. What do we, what, Who are we and what are we saying to the, uh, to the world? Yeah. The God's beloved people. Are we saying, come and be like us? Uh, are we saying we have a great choir and a wonderful <laughs> yeah. preacher, and we are up we hold up middle class American values to come and be like us, or are we
2: saying we are humble sinners who have found I' tell you about where we found
3: well, you
0: know what we're really saying, yeah, we want y'all to come in and 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 be like us. Bring your pocketbook. <laughs> Bring it. You know. <laughs> yeah. If you'd be like us, but give and now and support this ministry. And besides, we got a few committees that need to. Yeah. You know. Right. right. Uh, all, my tongue is only partially yes. uh, firmly planted in my.
1: So, our Christian scripture themes for the day is the profound
2: difficulty of love in. How do we make love an obligation? And why is it that the church has insisted that there's no such thing as solo community? This is this is not a law. This is this is script. It's important. I, today, September 5th, uh,
1: I get a New York Times free newsletter thing to uh, email every short. They're trying to get me to subscribe, and I refuse <laughs> to rescri- subscribe. But I'll take the free stuff. lead thing this morning was about absenteeism in a school study by a professor, I think, at Stanford. And one of the things they're showing is that this absenteeism across the country, and particularly in places that shut down more
2: during the um, the COVID, and one of the things that he said is that people just got out of the habit.
1: That it became, we they said we spent two and a half years saying learning can happen without classroom without being in the room and I started thinking obviously immediately about church and and the decline in attendance and we're saying what are we doing wrong and I think one of the things is people got out of the habit got out of, and we spent two and a half years creating ways they can participate without being in the building. Why? And you know, it's. it's yeah. I think it's all tied in with people's resistance to going back to a place of work.
3: Hmm.
1: They want to stay out of the office. Offices aren't filled in churches, and it's. And so, here's a question: Why should people be Why? in church? Yeah. And I was. I have spent the last six weeks um doing church online because my wife had knee surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm the caregiver. And it was just important that I be there. So it's been five or six weeks. I've been there, and I, I watch something online, and I can start and stop it as needed, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> right. I watch several, I watch several, but what I realize, there's a profound difference between sitting in my pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee with my iPhone in hand, watching my son preach in Albany, New York, or you preach in Venice, Florida, or yeah. uh, Mark Scott in St. John's Lutheran Church in Charleston, or such as that, or yeah, and I can fast forward, I wait, and I fast forward over to the sermon, I listen to the sermon, <laughs> and I don't watch people take communion, and I don't yeah. have to rub elbows, and I don't have to talk to anybody, and I don't have to deal with anybody.
0: you't know to, all the, you don't know all the people on the prayer list, you know I, so. I, you know I don't have to deal <laughs> yeah, yeah, and right.
1: is, and I don't have to love them, I don't yeah. even have to like them, I don't yeah. have to deal with them. And I think one of the things that life in community in a congregation uh, for both these texts is that we need to be together in order to learn to love
2: other people. We need to be together to learn Mm -hmm. how to care about other people. We need each other, and we need each other in
1: community, and that is what's always been there. It's a It's a It's a laboratory for learning Christian Mm -hmm. virtue. If you're never around anybody who can hurt you, you don't have to know how to forgive them.
0: Yeah. Two things very quickly. uh, My sort of assertion has been that some of the issues we're dealing with in in church and people coming back to church, and and I think it's true in society, work, school, et cetera, it's not that COVID created these issues. No, no, no. COVID magnified or exposed, if you will some of these issues. And so I think this is an issue we've been dealing with in the in the church for years when yep. people say, why do I have to be there? I can yep. experience God in my boat out on the lake yep. on Sunday. Why do I have to be there? And I love what you're saying about community is a big part of the purpose. Can you know, I learn something from the scripture just as effectively somewhere else? Mm, probably. There's a lot of good ways to do to live it out in communities, a whole different thing, and so the community is the part. And second thing, very quickly, you were alluding to uh, kids that have missed school, et cetera. There was also an article in the Times this week that talked about, um, you know, we used to talk about uh, being helicopter parents and doing everything right. for kids and being so close. And so there's pretty solid research at this point that talks about kids that are never alone and always have assistance, are becoming more and more fragile. And it's part of the whole um, uh, health health issues, uh, mental health issues that are going with a lot of our kids. And a fascinating organization called Let It Grow. Or no, Let Grow. And letting go of our kids and giving them some things they have to do, like I remembered vividly when they said, uh, you know, the kids don't have to worry about if they get lost or if they miss the bus or they miss their ride home from school. I can remember having to figure out how to walk my hind end home from junior high one day when yep. I missed the bus, and so that mile and a half hike or whatever it was, a couple of yep. miles, that was yep. all on me. Yep. Kids don't have that. So they don't, they don't it, have it's, that. I think that's all cut of a cloth here with the question you're raising. Just how important is being present? with one another in the community. Great stuff.
1: Good. Well, I'm going to walk through the text with a nod in the direction of the psalm in each one and, and uh, not go real in-depth. Uh, uh, honestly speaking, we could spend an hour on any of these texts easily, and so I try not to do that. And I want to talk about this Exodus text, twelve one 1 through 15. Uh, last week, uh, we had the call. We have fast-forwarded hmm. through... You know Moses, Aaron, go story. back nine plagues, and here we are. And yep. this is a stylistic piece. Um, several different sources went together for it, but stylistically, it is uh, probably composed well after the event. And and it established some of the establishment of the tradition of Passover. You can see this here. It's the word of the Lord to Moses and Aaron, and tell the entire congregation that we're going to do this. This is the ultimate foundational event of Israel's history.
0: Absolutely.
1: This is, and and I'm going to be careful here, this is their national myth. And I don't mean by myth like we used to think of, it a myth as a made-up, something like a fairy tale. Mm -mm. This is the story that they tell each other in order to know who they are. This is, when the question is asked, what does it mean to be? israel this is the first part of the answer
3: mm-hmm.
1: we are these people so it's important to look and see what happened it was for everybody all the congregation that it, it made it, it, it may seem minutia to say and if you're too small another family and this sort of thing it is making sure everyone's included and if yeah. it's sheep or a goat you know it's everybody's included mm. it has to be unblemished now we're getting to the Later, temple sacrificial systems, and it started here. And then uh, they the all assembled together. Now, here, here's the interesting thing, the description of how to eat it.
3: Mm.
1: Now, this can, you can say, well, they wanted to be ready to run. Well, of course they did, because if this worked, if all those kids mm-hmm. got dead, killed and they'd had these nine plagues, Pharaoh was coming after. You know, they need to be ready to go quick because their window was small. Think about this. They killed the calf. They gathered. They stood there. They stood girded
2: up. They stood with the sandals on. They did all of this. It was an amount, a moment of trust that God would do this. Because if God didn't do this, mm-hmm. they had done what they had done. They were
1: in.
0: (laughs) We're in some deep kimchi now.
3: Yeah.
1: If they did all of this and threatened Mm -hmm. Pharaoh and said, this is going to happen. And whether the babies died or didn't die, Mm -hmm. the morning after the Passover, they were going to have to flee. And neither God was with them or wasn't.
2: And they were trusting that God was going to be with them and open the way. Or, given the boundaries of the story.
1: They were going to come up against the sea and not and be trapped. Mm-hmm. They were not going to get out. This was an extreme act of trust and faith. And throughout Israel's history, they have found themselves between the old saying, "the devil and the deep blue sea," between the devil and a hard, rock and a hard place. And the only option
2: is to: Are we going to trust God mm-hmm. or not? And this story says. Trust God. A day of remembrance. Remember this day and know. Trust God.
0: God, the God of Israel, and as we've been reading this covenant story, seems to have uh, a real flair for the extreme uh, act of faith. Uh, go all the way back to Abram. God calls. Abram. Yes. Yes get up and go, take your, you know, your partner and just head out. I'm going to show you where, where? Well, I'll tell you later. So uh, that sets off and, and throughout the story of, I mean, you can go back to the prehistory and even in Genesis, pretty extreme act and Noah. And, and so this extreme act of faith is uh, kind of common.
3: Yep. But then
0: again, so is the extraordinary working of God. Yeah. And uh, for us reading these scriptures Christianly, not projecting yeah. here yeah. anything, but seeing the the life of Christ in continuity yeah. with God's right. work, it was the extreme act of faith to surrender to the cross. Right. And if God if God's not working, then Jesus is dead. Yeah. I mean, done for. So yeah, it's a fascinating thing and, to and think and about. And that
1: word, remembrance. Yeah. Uh, you know, and to think, you know, that's what I was about to say. The parallels are obvious to us as Christians. They are not what the text meant.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: For, for It was not a prediction of the Christ. correct. But looking at Christ from the other side of the, we begin to say the unblemished lamb. You see where all this language is yep. from. But I think the part we need to focus on
2: is remembering the pivotal event and remembering the extreme act and remembering to stand ready and say, it doesn't make a lot of sense at some point, but I'm going to put my trust in I'll take up this cross and follow where I'm the Savior. Uh, 149 is one of the, the
1: last that ending section of the Psalms that are praise Psalms and uh, praise the Lord this, praise the Lord that, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What's interesting in here is that it couples, of course, praise and victory with some language modern Christians aren't all that comfortable with about how you Lord took the sword and killed all our enemies. You know, we don't mm-hmm. like to think in those terms, but the best thing I can say about that and and the exultant kind of feeling is pictures and videos. I've seen of victory in Europe day mm. at the end of world war two, you know, the famous one on life magazine of the sailor cuss kissing an anonymous But you see other things, and just this release of emotion and fear into victory, and it happened. And what we take with that is what victory has God won over our demons and and the things that oppress us. It doesn't have to be taken literally, and I I would say the psalm was was intended point
2: very. That is what that done. But for part, us yeah. it, it is about what victory does God won in our lives, And are we excited and happy? And do we attribute God or do we attribute it to our ability to follow the nine that nine week plan for <laughs> this or that? For Christians it is to turn our hearts to God. Yep. So Ezekiel thirty three, seven this is around the time um, 589 about to go into eggs really important thing is to understand what the word sentinels indicate i think we'd probably
1: translate it better as sentry in terms of military i think most of us would understand it better if we said a lookout
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you know a lookout um uh when i was you know a kid you're doing something and say like, you to be over there. You be the lookout in case they're coming. Yep. You know, a sentinel, a sentry, a yeah. lookout. And the lookout's job is to warn when danger
2: comes. So the rest of this text is pretty simple. Um, and it's a pretty simple logic that Yahweh puts in the mouth of Ezekiel. He says, look, I'm going to make you a sentinel house. And
1: I'm going to warn them, but I'm not going to be warning them about an enemy coming. I'm going to be warning them
2: I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give them time to repent of their wickedness. And here's the deal, Ezekiel. <laughs> I'll give you the warning. Yeah. And if you
1: don't give it to them, if you don't tell them, then they'll die in their sins, and the blood's on you. This is yours. on fault. you.
0: It's on you, Brother Zeke. Yeah.
2: And if I give you the warning and you tell them and they don't repent, that's their fault.
3: Mm-hmm. And you'll him.
2: live. Now, it's hard
1: for us in, in our culture to hear this as good news, but there's a great, good line, a bit important line, verse 11 God takes no pleasure in their death. So given an idea that what they're doing, see what he's warning them is, the way they're walking, what they're doing is going to lead to death. Yep. And if you are going to try to be nice and not tell them that their behavior is going to lead to death, then you're going to be responsible for their death. Now you can warn them that their behavior will lead to death and they can blow you off and not like you, but at least you tried. I remember, this is not a hero story, this is one of those moments when God gave me something to say that I hadn't thought of beforehand, ever. Mm -hmm. I was in a congregation where there were some directions they were taking relative to social issues that I thought they were resisting. going in what seemed to be the right
2: direction. Say if it was racism, homosexuality, but it was that kind of issue. And I had not hit it hard, but I'd hit it occasionally enough, and it was very clear
1: where things were. And somebody, a leader in that congregation, came up to me and said, people are mad at you for bringing that up. (laughs) They They don't like it they don't like it, you keep trying to push us. We just don't want to change. And uh, doesn't it bother you that people don't like you like it? <laughs> and yeah. I don't know where this came from. And I said, well, you know, I like to be liked just as much as anybody else. And I'm more willing to behave in ways I think other people will like than I'm w- w- really happy to admit. But let me tell you something. One of these days, there's going to be a judgment and we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and all of y'all are going to be responsible for everything you've done. But I am going to stand before that judgment seat, and the Lord's going to look at me, and after he gets done
2: with my personal business, Mm -hmm. he's going to look at me and say, I told you to warn that congregation about their behavior and attitude. Why didn't you do it? Right.
1: And I looked at him. and I said, I want to tell you, it's going to break your f- heart, going to hurt your feelings, but I'm a hell of a lot more afraid of God than I am of you.
0: <laughs> it, as only Delmer can communicate that message, y'all can imagine reliving it. Then
1: no, I walked I, away and my wife had overheard it and she said, are you crazy? And I said, probably. Yeah,
3: probably. Well, he However, and a few
1: others left and I stayed there a long time yeah. in that church. It changed yeah. eventually.
0: I have not put it together quite as powerfully as you just said and told it, but I have had those occasions where I've had yeah. people push me. But all I can tell you, one of these days, I have to answer for what comes from this pulpit as long as I'm called to be the And there's somebody else I have to listen to when it comes to that. That's the final. Good.
3: Yeah. In
1: Word. proclaiming this, I think if you wanted to go with this one has to avoid and I would never tell that story, but, uh mm-hmm. because that, that puts me off as a hero and I didn't want to yeah. do that, but I did want to communicate the issue at hand. and but when you do that then one has to expand so what does that mean for us as a congregation? I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you have to listen to whatever the pastor has to say and not judge mm-hmm. it by scripture or whatever. But I dem we are saying that as a community who is called to communicate the gospel to the world, once in a while we have to stand against the world, not just with it. We have to speak to the powers and know, though that is fearful, we as a community have to be, realize we're more indebted and more afraid of God. than
0: We as uh, the congregations, institutions, and our organizations fall into the same trap that we do as individuals. So we want everybody to like us, don't? Don't we want them to think this is a nice, friendly, loving congregation? Yes, and so be sure we do the loving thing. Um, yeah. So, um,
1: the one forty, one nineteen, the section of one nineteen, as we all know, that's this long acrostic about the law. The section has all these words: teach me, give me, lead me, turn my heart, etc. And the prayer in this point
2: is to. Help me focus on Torah, on your love and your commandments, rather than on keeping everybody happy. That's the focus. Uh, I think that ties quickly with Ezekiel. And at a certain point, what is, what is the gospel, not what is popular? Do it. Moving along to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. Um,
1: Primary question right off two two questions, two sections. First question has to do with how can we speak of love as an obligation? Owe nobody anything, be obliged to nobody for anything. <laughs> there is no law but the law of love. This echoes Matthew twenty two, Mark twelve. Uh when you know what is the first and greatest commandment of the Lord God your heart, soul and mind, and the second like unto it, love yourself. Uh, even even Luke ten with the story of the Good Samaritan feeds mm-hmm. off of that as as the the lawyers ask him, Well, who is my neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> I love your neighbor, mm-hmm. you know? Same thing. So but the question is we, we have to ask ourselves, but how can how can we have an obligation to love? Don't we just fall in love? <laughs> Aren't there people we just naturally like? Aren't aren't there, isn't there the love an emotion and we can't control our emotions? We have to honor our emotions. Well, here's the scriptural answer, I think.
0: Here's your son. Here's your no, son. No, you're right. <laughs> love is yeah. not a
1: feeling, it's not yeah. an emotion, it's active.
0: Very active.
1: Very active. And indeed, it's most loving when you don't feel like it,
2: but you do. When you act. In loving ways, toward people, you don't feel any other obligation toward except we're called love. That's the only way.
0: I just love the succinct statement in verse 10. And, you know, we sometimes in the church, we play this game. Well, can I do this thing or can I do that thing? And, you know, we want to go through... That, you know, a list of things. Well, it doesn't say I can't do that. The question becomes, uh, the, the 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 lens here is love does no wrong to a neighbor. That's how love fulfills all these laws. So what you're thinking about doing, what you're proposing, is that hurtful in any way? Is that hurtful to another person? Is it hurtful to yourself? Is it hurtful? Uh, yeah. and, and so to me, that just Cuts through all of that stuff. Yes. I come back and say, well, wait a minute. I guess that's not the loving thing to do. And even if I don't love, I not done that great of a job of loving my enemies or loving, you know, so and so because they're, in my estimation, a real SOB, I still owe love.
3: Hello?
0: Don't do the right thing.
1: Got it. And it's easy when you like them, when yeah. you're getting love back. It's not easy the other way around. Uh, M. Scott Peck, road less
2: traveled, defined love as extending oneself, one's own or another's, mental, physical, or spiritual. Love
3: will extend oneself. Notice he said the will,
2: not the feeling. This is what Paul is saying echoing the gospel that we love one whether we feel like it well the, the second half of this text the 11 through five, meaning nine. and uh, play, I don't play Greek too often but Kairos and Kronos mm-hmm. vary, hmm
1: and this is Kairos I even made sure by getting my Greek text down and I can read a little if I have to and uh Paros is the right time, the appropriate time God's yeah. time mm-hmm. and Chronos is sixty seconds in a sixty <laughs> seconds in a minute, sixty minutes in an hour
2: twenty four hours in a day, one following the other and its time because you scheduled this is not that kind of time It's not talking about mm-hmm. It is time even connected with the time that Jesus died on the cross. And this is Cairo. So here's what's going on in this text. This this is not a warning of the second coming.
1: Mm-hmm. That next line, salvation is nearer to us than we first believed. See, people have taken these two together and it's time and all this. It's like, it's like it always, we get this, we want to warn We want to get warned and we want to be fussed at. and and want to be able. Actually, I don't think we want to be bused at. We want an ammunition to warn and bust at others.
3: Get them, preacher. Get them, you know. Get them over <laughs> and,
1: there. And it's like yeah, time is short. Y'all better start loving one another. Yeah. Well, time is not short. Time is God's time. And what is being
2: said here is that the same thing he said about not being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing. is that we live in God's time. We live in eternity. And the transition happens not when we die, quote,
1: go to heaven. The transition happened when we died to self and took and born again into Christ. Mm -hmm. When we laid off, in Paul's other language, laid off, all these debauchery and sin and all those things and put on Christ. And why salvation is nearer to us is not nearer in time like it's it's approaching. Right. It's nearer to us because it's inside us. It's not outside us. Salvation is nearer to us than we first It's closer. We are in this world. So we have no business doing uh, reveling and drunkenness and debauchery and license, <laughs> licentiousness. Not because God's going to come and catch us
2: at it. Because we don't live in that time.
3: Yeah,
2: I love We live it. in eternity. And it's, we, we're, in, we're in Cairo's time. It's
3: Salvation's a wonderful...
2: right in the midst
0: of us. It's a wonderful quantum idea, if you yeah, will. Yeah, uh, We tend to think of space and time as two different things. But when you learn to think in reality the way quantum reality shows us it's space time and in a way we're living in god's space time we have god has uh changed us god has this whole uh born again or born from above and there are a lot of images you've alluded to some earlier something and so it's a different time so and we need to live like it
1: so to make a a reference both to soren Kierkegaard and a Late 20th century science fiction TV show I liked. It is time <laughs> that our leap of faith becomes a quantum leap.
0: Mm. There you go. It's a whole different ball game. Hey, Bubba, I just had to say when people ask me the question, do you read the, the Bible in Greek? I say, yes, I do. Slowly and not very well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Slowly and painfully, and with every literary <laughs> aid I can find around I, me. I,
0: I don't. I tell people I, I really don't know Greek all that well. I can get by, but I, I know how to read to people who know it real well.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so, right. Matthew, let's get Matthew done. Eighteen, fifteen through twenty. Uh, this text contains uh, a text that is in the ELCA Constitution. It's in the scripture. Directly referred to there early on, there's a, a statement of faith, as the Old and New Testaments, etc. This is a text that's referred to in the section, chapter 15, the last time I looked, of the ELCA Constitution for Congregations under Discipline of Members. And it outlines this very same process. Um, this is in uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 35, which is the fourth teaching section in Matthew. Sermon on the Mountain, a few others along. This is the uh, it has, It's a collection of diverse sayings. It comes in two parts. Verses 1 through 14 are about children. And then we get this section, 15 through 35, is about the church. And this sec- our section, our text, 15 through 20, is about the reconciliation set. What's interesting here is two things. One of which is <clears throat> the word "church" is used a couple of times, and this is not a word that Jesus would normally have used. And you have to know they were looking back. I'm not. I'm not doubting Jesus had some recommendations about how some of. The, I think it it comes out of his teaching. It wasn't made out of whole cloth. But I think what's really interesting is that Matthew was the earliest. Was maybe seventy eight to eighty A.D which is 35 to 40 years or so after Christ. So early church, even that early, the, the believers in Jesus were finding out how hard it was to do what he said with the mm-hmm. loved
0: ones. yeah.
1: And this was addressed in the words of Jesus to that congregation Matthew was writing to. This is the only I mean, he uses the word church because he said, I'm talking about y'all. <laughs> And it's interesting that it indicates to us, both this text and Romans, which was even earlier, how difficult it is
2: in community, even Christian community, for us to always love one another appropriately, how hard it is to set, and allowances are made for us. Uh, another thing is that the
1: orientation of this, and, and I think in the deep, deep spirit of Jesus Christ, is, is not retribution, but reconciliation. Even when you get down to the point of treating him like a Gentile and a tax collector, I love that. Mm-hmm. I had some folks that worked for the IRS that were in a church <laughs> in Nashville, and I had to say, let me explain, it's not talking about you. <laughs> not talking about you. Yeah. Uh, but The issue is reconciliation.
2: Make all possible efforts. And then the excluding has to do with we've tried everything we know, and we can't let this destroy the
3: community.
2: It's a tough judgment. It's a hard one. But it's go privately.
1: Don't. Don't. Suddenly get up. Don't tell your neighbors, your friends, your girlfriends. Don't get on the phone. Mm-hmm. Don't do not do all that. Go directly to the person. I don't know how many times I've had, as a pastor, somebody come to me and tell me what somebody said or did to them in a committee mm-hmm. meeting First thing I always ask is, did you talk to them?
0: Have you talked to them about this? Well, yeah. no,
1: I won't talk to you. I said, no, I'm not going to, you know, this is good therapy language. I'm not going to get triangled in. Yeah. And, and I said, then I'd pull this out and I said, you got to start here Mm -hmm. and then we'll figure out some folks. If that doesn't work, we'll, and you want to move further and it's, and it's bring some other people, some trusted people and try to have a
2: conversation. And if that doesn't work, you decide we to move further, talk to the entire congregation. And I've only known of it happening a few times and most of the time the person. I have to
1: say that, but I think one of the things we have to say. I've known some other times when the reconciliation happened earlier. If you can happen with the one-on-one or at most some other people in conversation, I've seen that work.
0: I've seen that work. That's more, great. more times than not, because that—that's how this is supposed to happen. If, that's if, the goal.
1: Yeah. If you ever get it to the church level, the
2: heels get dug in. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not to destroy the land. And if you don't deal with it, you don't if you're just nice and don't want to start a problem, it festers and expenses. And the message here has to do, don't let that happen. Now this this I'm gonna to touch on binding and loosing it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say this this <sighs> there's two sort of portions of this In some ways, they don't exactly go together, but they do. There's there's a reason this process, if you will, is so important about what you're about to say. I'm pretty
1: sure. The phrase is what I like to use is deal with it or it'll deal
2: with you. Deal with it or deal with you. Now, I first heard that phrase in a funeral sermon based on the
1: text about David and Bathsheba, and David getting up after the baby died and washing his face and saying, let's go on. Aren't you going to cry? Well, I pray when he was alive. There had no point now. David, ne- and the preacher said, David never dealt with it. And years later, look what happened with his children, with
2: Absalom, et cetera. And you can explore that biblical. But his point was, David didn't deal with it. Didn't deal what was going on. And it dealt, came back. If you don't deal with these things in the congregation, then you're going to be bound. But if you deal with them and work through the difficult thing, it the evil gets loosed and you're turned loose from. It. As a community of the gospel, we are called to stand in the midst of a community that is angry with one another, issues with one another, and we are As to be agents of Mm -hmm. reconciliation,
1: and invite them to unbind themselves, to turn it loose. And when it says, "If you don't unbind it, it won't be unbound." And if you, you know, you don't, Mm -hmm. if what you loose will be loose, but if it's not, it won't. Is to say to us, this is serious business. That's it. I've given you this, this, this to do. It's not that you get to look around and say, "Oh, that one's going to hell." And that one, I'm going to forgive that one. That's not about that. No. It's about who are you, are called to reach out into the midst of the hurting community and help them with the ministry of reconciliation. Because that's what we're called to be. That's it. We are called to be the people that help that happen.
0: That is exactly it. And that's where I think the tie is important. What we do here, y'all, it matters. It's important. It's serious business. And that's why we work so hard to maintain this kind of unity, not in conformity, but this unity that is is spoken of here. Look, when we gather, uh, when we uh, agree, then Jesus is here. Look, I am there among them. And, And what we're doing here, as you said, let's let loose of some of this stuff. When we let that go, and we are returned to the fact that we are all reconciled with God in Christ, and therefore we reconcile with one another. That's when the good stuff happens. That's where it comes from. It's awfully good, Bob. Such excellent stuff today here. I am struck by the use of the the word remember throughout those Hebrew Scripture texts, and uh, I think about it in the Christian context of worship when we come to the meal and we are to remember Christ when we eat the bread, when we drink the cup. And something I heard, I, I cannot credit this. I'll need to look and if I can find it. But the, the whole idea that this, this process of remembering is what brings that past moment, whether it's Passover, and the Israelites remembered that down through time, still do. Whether it is the meal, and we gather at the table, and we remember Christ, it is bringing that past moment into the present experience. We are with Christ. We are with the mighty action of God. And that is just such a key uh, in these these passages. Well, when, Thank you for bringing that up.
2: When Jesus said, mm-hmm. do this in remembrance of me, did he mean sit around... Bad way for drink up water,
3: jump <laughs> wine, or yeah,
2: which is fine. Or Maybe. did he mean do this that I am of me? In a word, the remem- uh, remembrance, I mean, you know, indicates bringing the past into the present.
1: So right. if we do in remembrance of him, doing in remembrance of him is going all the way back to the Israelis standing on the shore, eating
2: that meat with their sandals on, Uh is in remembrance of me,
3: trust God. In remembrance
2: of me, suffer on behalf of the world. In
1: remembrance of me, feed the hungry. In remembrance of me, get down on your feet, on your knees, and wash your feet. In remembrance of me, Open the doors and invite everyone. What does in remembrance
2: does it mean just walk up to a table or sit in your pew and let them bring it to you. Doesn't mean that alone. It means in remembrance of me, bring who I am and what I did
1: into your space and time. Make a quantum leap of faith into the future. <laughs> It is. It's, it's good. Amen stuff. and amen. It's the
0: good stuff. Hey, Bubba, thank you. I've enjoyed it. We're going to get out of here. Let me say to you all, this uh, listening for this uh, Sunday, the, September the 10th, this coming week, uh, by the 15th, we got to know who's coming to uh, our retreat. We would love to have you. Check out lectionarylab.com. See the uh, uh, details on the preaching workshop, getting ready for year B, uh, moving into uh, Advent, Christmas, and all the good stuff. Uh, We do need a certain number. We've had a good response. We're kind of on that line. And so please let us know this week. This will be the last time. If you're
1: pondering it, if you're thinking about it, if you're trying to persuade your spouse (laughs) to let you get hold of the money, just do it now, brothers and sisters. Do it now. (laughs)
0: I no. do it now. Send that to Brother Delmo Do-Right, P.O. Del- Box One Two Three. Delmo 4. Do-Right, Do-Right
1: at the Do-Right True Light Gospel Tabernacle located upstairs over to Piggly Wiggly on North Main Street.
0: That'll do it. Hey, Baba, not much left to do today other than to tell everybody bye.
1: Everybody bye.
0: Lectionary Lab Live is a two bubbles and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Half.cool. We go out today with In Remembrance, composed by Reagan Courtney and Burl Red, performed by the Young Adult Choir and Ensemble, the Church of St. Paul the Apostle in New York City.